It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When we take control of our lives and our destiny. We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrend. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Another two tickets giveaways did see Elton John at Parky Cueve on the 1st of July 2022. You know how to do it at this stage. I'll let you hear the audio later on in the hour. lot of parents wondering what the hell are the schools doing still closed today. Looking at the Department of Education, they have a circular, uh, just a policy document on what to do in the event of weather warnings. A lot of detail in there about closing in a red warning and being prepared to close in a red warning, and it all makes logical sense. But at the moment, nationally, looking at Met Heron, we're only in a yellow warning on land and an orange warning at sea, except up around Donegal. So why are the schools closed this morning? Uh, I think it's probably to assess damage and stuff like that, but a lot of people are not happy about that. Like, should the students be online learning at least today. Also there in the last half an hour UCC has decided to go uh, and make its own decision and open up the campus today. They just uh, broke that there in the last half hour or so. If you're one of these frustrated parents who's going why is my child's school closed today? We often went to school in worse weather or took them to school in worse weather. It is an interesting one. However, a lot of people still affected by uh, what happened yesterday. Loads of people uh, still without electricity up and down the country. We had quite a lot of outages yesterday. Let me check in first business this morning with Jim Henman, who is the, or Hernan rather, who is the ESB Networks Regional Manager in Wilton. Jim, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We had a, several thousand houses up around the city and county out yesterday. Where are we this morning? We're in a better place 
PJ, um, yesterday for us, because Storm Barra was so sustained through the day, was mostly about damage assessment and making safe emergency calls. As of this morning, uh, in the county of Cork, we have about 150 different fault locations affecting 2,000 customers. If I bring it into the city, we're looking at about two dozen faults impacting give or take 400 customers. Now, the bigger of those are in uh, Toher, Bishopstown, Glanmire, Ballancolleg, Ovens. We have crews on all of those since about 6 o'clock this morning. We had response crews working through the night, but we have full construction crews out on all our major faults this morning. Um, I'd be very optimistic. It depends, obviously, on what the weather brings for the day, but I'd be very optimistic that all of those customers will have power back during the day today. Uh, we will have some smaller, isolated faults, and inevitably we'll have some which will only crop up today, PJ, where you know we may be working late into tonight, or unfortunately for some it may be tomorrow, but that should be small numbers. Going on previous experience, it is the case, isn't it, Jim, that it's not the 500 houses that are easy to locate the fault and put them back on. It's the four houses out in the country. Finding that yeah, fault it, is the problem. It, it, it can be. Um, and in fairness, our, our customers are a huge help to us there, PJ. So, I mean, if customers are without supply, we will repeatedly be directing them to powercheck.ie. They can access that on their phone if they don't have supply. They can check there to see if they are on. It's a graphical interface. They can see, are they in an outage that we're aware of? If they're not, ring us on 1800-372-999. Or actually, they can log their outage on PowerCheck, and then we're aware of them. Now, we are, we think at this stage, aware of most of what we have. But absolutely, if customers in small pockets are still without supply, Mm. contact us. uh, Let us know. And we're at this until we get the last customer back. Maybe I could have phrased the question a little better, Jim. I remember after Ophelia, there was some people out for days because actually trying to find what line was broken and what tree had brought down what line was proving the issue. I mean, I take it technology is improving all the time in that regard. It is, and at this stage, we have an awful lot of our resources through yesterday and even the first part of today dedicated purely to that, PJ, to locating the falls, locating the damage, and later today we'll be bringing in the repair crews. We have essentially our full resource and a sizable contractor resource brought in to locate damage. The good news out of Stormbarra is a lot of that damage is fairly obvious. It is trees down, it is network down, and our message obviously to the public, our customers and our staff is any fallen wires like that, treat them as live, stay clear and ring them in again to 1800-372-999. We we're prioritizing everybody's safety. Uh, everybody will get supply back, but we have to be conscious of their safety. Well, Jim, you and your team have a a reputation for being quick, smart, off the blocks and getting people back as quickly as humanly possible. I know you'll do that today as well. Jim Hernan, he's the ESB Networks Regional Manager at Wilton. So quite a number of houses still out, but they're on it. They know where the faults are and they are repairing. Just on the schools, (laughs) I was a bit mischievous early this morning when I was kind of saying, I said it on my Twitter, I was only messing. Like, was it a way to get a snap a circuit breaker to stop the spread. I was only fooling, right? But it would have been nice if the Department of Education said last evening, we need to be able to assess damage, right? Because they have a circular, uh, which I downloaded this morning, which is about three pages long, which talks about preparation, communication, state examinations in the event of a storm, resources to use, and then it talks about a red warning for wind, a red warning 
for rain, a red warning for frost and snow. It doesn't say anything about an orange warning as a reason for closure, and it certainly doesn't mention a yellow. And Met Aaron's latest update, which I downloaded at 10 to 9 this morning, that has the whole country now in a yellow alert, with the exception of Donegal, which is on orange, and all of the seas around our coast on an orange alert, with the exception of just off the the northwest there. So it would seem that there's no weather-based reason for closing the schools in Cork today. Now, if the Department of Education had said, well, in order to assess the situation, uh, we are going to advise the schools to stay closed for a few hours, that would have been different. But they didn't. They just closed them down. So Dublin went orange last evening, and of course that might have influenced it a lot. But as of this morning, it's just a yellow alert... Wouldn't it have been better to say if schools have no damage, they can open mid-morning? Wouldn't it have been better if they said, look, schools can open, but maybe open later? Because you've thousands of uh, families and thousands of parents now discobulated because of kids being at home that would normally be at school. It's bad enough that we've thousands of kids at home that would normally be at school because of COVID and isolation and all that. But now we have kids at home who would normally be in school or normally be at the childminders disrupting mom and dad's day's work. But the communication was crap last evening, quite basically. 1857 Right, Elton John, day three. I want to see him live at Parky Cueve on Friday, the 1st of July for his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. Tickets with us all this week on the Opinion Line, thanks to Aiken Promotions. You know the drill. I'll play this for you a few times, and then you need to guess the song. Give me the song and your name at 083-396-9696. And then you need to be by your phone when we call someone at the end of the show. That's an easy one today. Let's go again. Name that song and give me your name to 083 396 On Monday, I referred to Dr. John Campbell and what he's been saying about the Omicron variant, variant of COVID-19. And a lot of people have been asking us in the last couple of days, what's Dr. Campbell saying about Omicron? What's he saying about the next wave? What's he saying about where the pandemic might be going to go? So we got in touch with uh, Dr. Campbell, and I spoke to him about it last evening. Let you hear that next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Courts 96 FM. So, John Campbell, good to have you on the programme again. We we monitor your videos all the time. In fact, our listeners were asking us about Omicron. What, what is John Campbell saying? So, while we directed him to your videos, it's it's good to speak with you. That's you, good to be on, PJ. You were looking at some data from South Africa at the weekend, yeah. which gives you cause for optimism about the level of sickness it's causing. But Mm. is it fair to say we're at a crossroads here? This could be the variant that helps to burn out the pandemic or it could get a whole lot worse. And we really don't know yet which. 
the next few weeks, PJ, is going to be seriously interesting. And, and the next two, two weeks, you know, this, we're going to know the answer to this really soon. But right now, we simply don't know the answer. What we do know is that the Omicron variant is spreading around at a completely prodigious rate around the world. Tim Spector today from the COVID symptom tracker that a lot of people fill out, um, he believes that the numbers of Omicron cases are doubling every two days, which is quite a startling rate of increase. We've never seen exponential rise of that nature before. Mm. And even if it's only three days, it's still the fastest we've, we've ever seen by far. We also know that people that have had the infection can get Omicron, who've had natural infection. And we also know that people that have been vaccinated can get Omicron and almost certainly can transmit it as well. What we don't know is how sick this people, how sick people are going to get as a result of Omicron infection. Now, the, the data so far mostly comes from South Africa. Now, in South Africa, there's a relatively low vaccination rate, but a lot of people have antibodies through natural infection from mm. the previous, uh, previous waves they've had in South Africa. So the data from South Africa seems to be answering the question, what effect does Omicron have in a population with a, a high uh, level of immunity or partial immunity? And the answer to that so far is it looks like it's causing minimal disease so so far. Now, hospitalizations in South Africa are up somewhat, but not up anything like you would expect if this had been Delta or Beta as they had previously in South Africa. So one goes with the impression that this really could go either way. If it turns out that there's a delay and people are getting sick three, four weeks after this infection then we're in for a disastrous situation. And the genie is already out of the bottle as far as that's mm. concerned. It, it, that, that is going to happen. That's already baked into the increased transmissibility with the, lack of recent, with the lack of preventative measures that are being taken. However, if it goes the other way and people remain mild, then this is going to spread dramatically throughout the population. You and I are going to be exposed to this PJ by Christmas. I think we can pretty well... Mm. Say, say that is going to happen. But what we're really hoping, and the early data from South Africa was showing this, that this is going to cause minimal or no disease in people like you and me, that I know we've had three doses of vaccine each. Um, we could still transmit it on to others, but it looks like the probability of us getting sick from this at the moment is low. Now, there are a couple of, there's a few, there's a few provisos really. Omicron seems to have a shorter incubation period. So the time from people when people get exposed to the virus to when they become symptomatic looks like it's going to be pretty short. So is there other characteristics of this virus that are different to what we've seen before? Yeah. For example, is it a characteristic of this virus that people actually get sick um, three three weeks or four weeks after after the initial infection? Mm. Now, there's no obvious reason why that should be the case, and I don't think it is the case, mm. but we can't rule it out yet. You know, th th there is there is that theoretical possibility that we're in for um, a, a spate of hospitalizations like we've never seen before. But all the data so far is pointing to the fact that this is likely to cause immunity and not likely to make people sick. Now, every day that's gone past so far, we're saying so far, so good, so far, so good. If we're staying, saying so far, so good this time next week, mm. I'll feel quite a lot better. If we're saying so far, so good this time in two weeks time, three weeks time, 
I'll be feeling pretty good. And if we're saying this in four weeks' time, th- this could well be the end of the pandemic as, as, as a dangerous uh, condition. It, it could be the, uh, the the endemic phase where this is much more like a common cold, as, as the other four coronaviruses are mm. already. Now, I'll, I'll pause you there for a minute because, John, you're not mm. a man who makes predictions lightly and you base it on, on data. It is very early days. Yes. But this could just end up being the bad cold that spreads around the world and wipes Delta out. Could it, could it potentially do that? Well, it, it, that's exactly what it is doing. In South Africa at the moment, I think the official figures say about 75% of the uh, COVID-19 infections are in fact Omicron. It has essentially displaced Delta in South Africa. Now, the situation in South Africa is a little bit different because in South Africa, they've gone from essentially no cases about six weeks ago. So so this is actually, it's not as if it's replaced Delta there. Um, it, it's replaced almost nothing. But there was some rumbling Delta there in the background. So it seems to have replaced it. And, and the latest data I'm getting from South Africa actually is that Omicron is now over 90% of the cases in, in South Africa. So it's looking like it's outcompeting uh, Delta mm. in the same way that Delta outcompeted Alpha and Alpha outcompeted the original wild variant. But if it's outcompeting it with a much milder disease, that's good news. Now, there is precedent for this, actually, PJ, because Delta variant actually outcompeted the Beta variant. Mm. Delta outcompeted the Beta variant, which was used to be called the South Africa variant, yes. which was of concern because that was associated with immune escape from the vaccine. That's right. We were frightened about that for a while because we thought it could jump the vaccine and then yeah. Delta wiped it out. Is there... Exactly. What is the situation... Again, it's probably too early to, to say. The yeah. situation with Omicron and vaccination. Uh, it, yeah. Because th- with all the different mutations, people were concerned that it might have mutated in a way that it could avoid the vaccine. Are we in a position to know that yet? We're not in a position to know it for sure, but we do know that people that are vaccinated get Omicron. We do know that people that are vaccinated uh, can transmit Omicron to the unvaccinated and to the vaccinated. What we need to know is is how much vaccination protects, to be quite blunt about it, you and me personally Mm. from getting severe disease, because that's the situation we are in now. Initially, the experts were predicting um, the vaccines would hold up against severe illness and uh, disease, severe disease and death. Um, now it's looking like the the Omicron is not causing severe illness and, and death anyway in, in, in the patients we've been looking at so far. There's an interesting cohort we're following from uh, Norway at the moment. Well over 100 people were infected um, two weeks ago now. Hmm. from a traveller from South Africa. Um, And they all went to the same party in Norway. The doors were shut. It went into sort of a nightclub situation after, and there was about 100 people infected from that two weeks ago. Now, to be fair, this is, as far as we know, a young adult population. But of those people, none are are yet ill. Hmm. Um, they've they've, They've all been mildly symptomatic. So... Initially, there was a lot of concern that this might affect young adults or, or young people or children more. Um, the data on that is not is not showing that at the moment. Um, th- there is still some speculation that this might be affecting young children disproportionately in South Africa. But again, th- there's no firm data on that. It's more anecdotal mm. reports because you can get 
even in even in Ireland and England now, you can get you know a particular a particular year in Cork, you might get a, a bunch of kids being admitted for some particular reason or for no particular well, reason. You can just or, be RSV is 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 rampant here as well as COVID nineteen. Has 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 been in England and Scotland and and Wales as well for the last. Uh, well, yeah, for, for the last six months, really, um, with the with the lack of socialisation in children for that year p- period of time, immunity did wane. And these viruses like RSV are just basically influenza, common cold. That they're, they're always with us, and um, it's just our immune systems that keep them damped down and keep them a- asymptomatic. But but always in hospital, you can get some children that are really quite sick with with, with RSV. That's always been the case. Um, it's just that the immunity has lapsed a little bit now, and it's as if the virus is almost catching up. Or, or to put it more accurately, millions of people's immune systems around the world are catching up. Yeah. Our immune systems, we, we've learned more about them, I think, John, in the last uh, 12 absolutely. to 18 months than we ever knew before. And mm. we talk about spike cell and we talk about T cells and we talk about, for example, the the booster vaccine, uh, when, when people in a Johnson & Johnson or an AstraZeneca cohort, when they get uh, an mRNA vaccine on top of that, it seems to trigger a huge response. Yeah, it, indeed. It, do, it does trigger a, a big antibody response, but the antibody response is relatively short-lived. What, what we're relying on to give us immunity over the next years and, and hopefully decades is, the, is the, uh, the group of cells called the lymphocytes. Right. These are a group of white cells. They're divided into two sorts. There's big lymphocytes and small lymphocytes. The big ones will directly destroy virally infected cells. And the small ones, some of the small ones will do that as well. They'll, they'll directly infect cells and they'll also result, they'll also stimulate the, the B cells to produce antibodies. But the point is these small lymphocytes remember the particular infection. Right. And they're... they're these cells probably live for many years in 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 the uh, in the lymph in the blood in the bone marrow and they also perhaps reproduce so that their children and grandchildren also remember how to fight this particular virus so after the 1918 pandemic for example i think the longest surviving immunity was 90 years wow are these the t cells we hear so much about then yeah so 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 the the, the, the there's the lymphocytes mm. And there's the large and there's the small. The small lymphocytes are divided into the uh, the B cells and the T cells. The T cells, there's actually three types. There's the T cytotoxic that directly kill virally infected cells. They're very important in, 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 um, in SARS coronavirus too. Then there's the T helper cells and the, there's the T uh, suppressor cells. Now, people might have heard of the T helper cells because they're the ones that are... Uh, are destroyed by a human immunodeficiency virus. Yeah, HIV. Yeah, absolutely. And these memory T cells can last in many other diseases for decades. And how much do we know, John? And it is complex. I appreciate that. And you've simplified as best you can, which Mm. is great. Is there evidence there as of yet that there's a strong T cell reaction to, to COVID after vaccination? Yeah, 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 yes, there is. The, the T-cell response has been documented by the vaccine manufacturers, and it, it is there, yes. We know it's there. We know the T-memory cell response will last a lot longer than the presence of the antibodies in the blood. We don't know for how long it's going to last. O- only time will tell on that one. But we do definitely know there is a T-cell response to vaccine and to natural immunity. Coming to the vaccines themselves, and you and I spoke 
a long time ago mm. about the possibility that vaccines could be tweaked uh, uh, yes. according to variants. Now, mm. I don't think it's happened yet, has it? It's never happened. No, no. We're, we're waiting for this to happen in response to Delta variant. It never happened. The uh, Pfizer and and uh, AstraZeneca both said they could tweak a vaccine to be specific to Omicron and have it ready for mass distribution by by uh, sort of certainly by spring next year about 100 days to, to get it up, up and running. So if they say they can do it, why aren't they doing it? Or do you know? Well, I don't really, it's a very good question. Why did they never make one that was specific to Delta? I, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, they, they just carried on using the, the vaccines yeah. that we have now, the, the, the three doses of vaccine that we've had each, PJ, yeah. are the ones that were made to the original Wuhan virus. Yeah, because they told us it was easy to change. We were told that, but but it's never happened. Um, it it, re, it really is a good question for the for the uh, scientists and chief executives in the in those companies. Uh, I mean, a cynic might say that the current vaccines are selling quite well. Thank you very much. Yeah, you pointed out in the last couple of videos, Japan. The, the mm. pandemic seems to be over in Japan. Looks like it. Have you any idea how that happened? Idea, ideas. Why? Well. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. We, we, have, we have discussed this. Um, some Japanese scientists say that there was um, a new variant that arose in Japan that was transmissible uh, but caused minimal disease, so they developed herd immunity in Japan. Uh, ra rather similar situation to what we are hoping for with the Omicron. But we've seen no follow-up on that, that that ever happened. Mm -hmm. Talking to colleagues, in friends, friends in Japan, they, 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 have, they report that Japan is a very disciplined society, so people do obey the regulations, that there is universal mask wearing, that they do respect the, the regulations. Um, now, the, the, the other interesting factor there is, is diet in Japan, which is quite a bit different. They have a fairly high seafood diet, for example. They eat uh, fermented foods, which would have uh, vitamin, um, vitamin K2 in it, which, which is interesting. Um, and also, um, doctors there are allowed to prescribe ivermectin. Mm. Now, I've been trying to get data on how much ivermectin has been prescribed in Japan, and I haven't been able to get that so far. I have got a couple of people in Japan working on that for me at the moment. Now, um, every time I mention this um, on Facebook or something, it gets fact-checked. And uh, people say, uh, John Campbell says that ivermectin is used for treating uh COVID-19 in Japan. It is not authorised in Japan for treating COVID-19. Well, that's correct. I've never said that. Mm -hmm. It is not authorised for treating COVID-19 in Japan. It's not a registered medicine that's recognised on the government's protocol for treating COVID-19. But my understanding of it is doctors are free to prescribe it. And of course, people like you and me, they look at the internet, they know it's a drug with an incredibly high safety profile. They know that there's meta-analyses that seem to indicate efficacy. Mm -hmm. So, how much it's used, um, I'm hoping to find that out in the next week or so. Mm. Um, so it could could be one of those things, it could be a combination of those things, or it could be something that is as yet a mystery to science, but I would really like to know. Yeah. So we're at a kind of a junction in the road, yep, aren't we? we? Are. If we go down one side, this could be the development that burns the pandemic out. Yes. If we go down the other junction, we are in a whole pile of trouble. Absolutely, or it could be so. It could, it could be something. It could be something in the middle. Right. Um, you know, it could be a situation where it does. You see, if everyone gets this all of a sudden, PJ, and e even if it causes, say, um, let's say, let's say, a fifth of the hospitalizations compared to Delta, then we've still got problems. Yes, we have. Because this is happening. This is happening in the next few weeks. Yeah. 
the cases are going to spike. And if, if hospitalizations are, say, 10% of what they were with, with Delta, then, th- th- then we, we, we have, we've still got problems. What do we know about the immunocompromised or the immunosuppressed people for whom even the vaccines, their, their systems are so weak, even when vaccinated, they're at risk? Do we know what, what Omicron is doing there? The answer to that is, so far, I don't think we know anything at all on that. Yeah. Um, m- most people have, have a level of immunity. It's not that immunity doesn't work at all. Mm. It's that they have a, an inhibited response. And of course, these people are exposed to all the other respiratory viruses normally like common colds you know that that's that's you know that that, that they get that all the time um so how they're going to respond to omicron um basically there's no data on that um what you would expect is that it would make them um iller than than someone who has a good immune system um but we simply don't know and my last one for today the Mm. antivirals that we now yes. have, and the, the Pfizer are going to start making here in Ireland, and the other, the, the other one in the UK. Will they work against Omicron? It's very likely that the antivirals will work against a variety of uh, mutated uh, variants. Yes, I think I think that is likely to be the case. Mm. We really are at a time when all we can do is is wait and hope, John, aren't we? Did we? Did you think when? We first spoke. We first spoke you and I back in April. Uh, did 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 you think you'd still be doing this and you'd still be following this and that we'd still be in this kind of mess? No, I thought I'd be spending a lot more time growing tomatoes and digging my allotment, um, but uh, or making videos on something else. I, I suspected. I suspected it would it would trundle on for a while. What I didn't expect was how nuanced and. Um, relevant it would be to to sort of keep up to date with it and to to be quite honest although we're talking about human pain suffering and death here it it is still quite a fascinating it is um evolution of this pandemic Um, but i think the reason it is so fascinating is because it is directly impacting uh, on on people's health now i didn't really think it would go on this long although previous pandemics do tend to last for about three years it has to be said yeah, well, we, we sincerely hope that we'll be rid of it soon. And oh, may, yeah. maybe Omicron is the magic bullet to do that. We, we'll only know in a few weeks' time. It, it could be. And e- even even if this does disappear, one might almost say miraculously, <laughs> but, 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 but by the new year, um, it will be not because we've been particularly clever about it. It will just be that... Um, you know that the human race has been incredibly fortunate. Yeah, because because there could have been a new variant that was deadly. It, 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 we've just been, you know, it, it really looks like God is being gracious to the human race at the moment. Um, it looks that way. I, I hope we're right in saying that because, um, as we say, it's still too early to tell. And e- even if this is only a fifth as dangerous as Delta, a lot of people are going to be in hospital over winter. John, you've been an incredible help to us throughout the year, both on your videos and uh, as a guest on our programme. And I thank you for it. And I wish you and yours the best for Christmas. And and to yours, PJ. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. John Campbell speaking to me last evening. He he says, give it a couple of weeks and, and he'll know. But he's not a man that makes predictions lightly. And he is cautiously optimistic that Omicron could in fact be the one 
that turns the corner for us. You, you, I never wanted anybody to be right about COVID-19 as much as I want John to be right. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie the best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live With Now Stream live Premier League action With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday Exclusively online at 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96fm So whatever about children home from school for a second day. Katie's son, Charlie, has no secondary school to go to. Uh, Katie, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Hi, thanks for having me on. Delighted. Tell me about Charlie. He's on the spectrum, isn't he? Um, Yeah, Charlie has just turned 13 and he has autism, um, which we only discovered a few years ago, but um, it... Um, has meant that school has always been really, really hard for him, a really kind of traumatic experience in lots of ways, despite the fact that he's in a wonderful school and they've always been really supportive, really wonderful at trying to be flexible and meeting his needs. But, um, yeah, until recently, it's been a really difficult place for him to go and to be. Yeah, he goes to, I think, Gwelskali, Rear Dawn, and the hope was that he'd start secondary in Lakela, but we don't know what's happening with Lakela, do we? Yeah, that's the issue. So he um, is in a wrong orla, which is the new autism class in, in the Grail School, and that has radically changed his life. It's gone from meaning that school is a place that he dreads um, and really kind of struggles to manage with um, to being somewhere that he kind of almost enjoys, which is really, really radical change for him. Yeah. And in his words, it's changed his life Um that's how he describes it. Yeah. Um, and so we really know that he needs to be in an autism class for secondary school as well, having seen the difference that this has made and also knowing what a difficult transition that can be for all kids. Um, so he needs that support. And currently in Ballincollig, there are no autism classes in secondary schools at all. And we were really excited that Lakela were hoping to open an autism class this September coming, September 22. Yeah. Um, and we'd applied for a place there. But since their planning has been refused, they can open that class. So without them getting planning for enough space for their new first years coming in and also one additional room, that's all we need, is space for one additional room for them to have an autism class. Um, so the school can go ahead, but they've been refused planning for the additional space for the unit that Charlie would go to. No, they, well, their planning was refused for their whole all their temporary accommodation. So they are in a space right now where the um, film studio 
used to be yeah. um, near the regional park, um, but they need additional space for their, their incoming students. So they need additional space one way or another. Um, and they were going to be getting that with prefabs um, in the GA car park. And that um, needed planning permission to go through. So the autism, I mean, the, the school was going ahead, but the autism class was subject to that planning being given and therefore enough additional space. And by enough additional space, I mean one room in addition to yeah. what the rest of the school needs. Um, so because that planning has been turned down, they don't know where they're at. They don't know what's going to happen. Um, they are looking at all the options, I guess, for, I can't speak on behalf of Lakela exactly, sure, but sure. they're looking at all the options for their um, accommodation for next year. Um, but they can't sanction an autism class without having that space and knowing that they've got the extra space yeah. um, to provide for the autism class. So it's a really awful situation for Charlie in that he has been offered a place in mainstream school um, but having seen the radical difference that's made to him being in an autism class I just can't see how we can ask him to go back to the way things were sure. you know it was traumatic sure. um, and every day was a struggle um, and now I can see that he has the potential to thrive and flourish um, it so just needs that unit he, yeah he does. He does. And I mean, he's part of the mainstream class. He's not, um, it's not a separate thing. So I do, for me, I only found out a little bit about autism classes in the last couple of years, and it may be many people don't know, um, but they can function differently for each child, depending on what their needs are. And right. that might change as the child develops. Um, but for Charlie, he is partaking in his normal mainstream class most of the time, but the autism class is support for him. Yeah. So for instance, he finds it very difficult to work when the class is noisy so he can go and do his kind of, you know, getting on with your work on your own stuff sure. in a separate space. And that may sound like not a very big thing, but for him, that amount of noise is painful. <laughs> you know, it's too much to manage yeah. and he can't concentrate, yeah. he can't learn. It's, it's um, a sensory it's issue with him, he can't deal with noise. Yeah. That's one of the issues, yeah, one of the issues. And there's lots of different ways that the class supports him that seem very small and simple things, but make a massive, massive difference. Yeah. Um, so he really does need that. And Lakela getting the space that they need for this is our only chance, our only hope. Is he worried um, himself about I, the situation? Is he aware of what's going on? He is aware, yeah. We um, spoke to Owen English from the... Irish examiner a few weeks ago um, and he was the article was in the newspaper yesterday was it yesterday? Monday um, so yeah Charlie is aware I'm trying to not um, to not allow him to worry about it but the uncertainty is very difficult it's yeah. difficult for anybody but particularly for somebody with autism and for Charlie uncertainty is, yeah. is really really difficult. And you don't want so, to make a promise, you don't want to say, Charlie, it'll be okay, because you don't know no, you and can't. you can't make that we have, promise. We have absolutely no idea. Um, and, you know, I've we want him to be able to go to school in Ballincollig, but I know that you can't always have what you want, and I have applied to 21 schools around the county to try and find him a place in an autism class. Wow. Um, and we haven't got one because we're not in the catchment area for any of them, and they're all full with children that are in the catchment area or do meet those criteria. Yeah. Um, so, What do Lakela yeah, themselves say, Katie? 
Um, well, to my knowledge, and again, I don't want to try and speak on their behalf, but they want to open an autism class um, and they are willing to do so, but they need the space. Yeah. So what they need is the Department of Education and the Cork City Council t- to work collaboratively to find a solution for them to have the appropriate space for next year. And this isn't just something that is affecting Charlie or children with autism. Like every child in Ballincollig is going to be affected by this mm. because for it, for a start, the children applying for mainstream places in the Kayla, they need certainty. They need a place to go. They need an appropriate, yeah. happy school environment to be in. And they need it now, not yeah. in 10 years. There's a time. bit of a political push going on. I think Michael Creed brought it up in he the doll. And has there been other political pressure brought yeah, to bear Yeah, Andrews Moynihan. Yeah, well, I mean, I've written to every single TD, city councillor, children's ombudsman, everybody I can, um, and trying to encourage others to do the same because it's only when we raise our voices together that, that these things change. Um, and thankfully, Andrews Moynihan and Michael Creed both spoke in the Doyle on the issue, was it last week? Um, and that was encouraging. It was really encouraging to know that they are reading my letter <laughs> um, and that they they care but at the same time this is still only talk yeah. um you know they were talking and people were talking back um norma foley told us a whole lot of things that she uh, her department are doing and um it sounds great but it's still just talk nothing is actually happening yeah. Um, and for us and other families like us, time is the really clock, of the, the essence. The clock is ticking and ticking loudly. The clock loudly. is ticking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. We haven't got long. Um, and Charlie, and, and Charlie know, is worried and you don't like seeing him worried. No, exactly. Um, and you could think, oh, well, an extra year delay isn't very big. And maybe it's not for us. But if you're talking about the transition from primary to secondary and those first few years in secondary school, we all know that they are exceedingly important and formative. Um, And we need to have that appropriate support for him in place from the beginning. Um, Not just Charlie, like there are so many children in Ballincollig who are traveling long distances to get this appropriate education, like traveling to McCroom on a daily basis because that's the only way they can get access yeah. to an autism class. Yeah. And this they is, were the this, lucky ones to get a place. This is going on for, for way, way too long. For as long as I'm talking about this, it's going on. Children are going long distances for what they should be able to access in their own home place. Katie, thank you very much. Our best to Charlie. We'll keep in touch with this story. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Well, it's a day when people are assessing damage. And to be fair, a lot of the schools are assessing damage, which is why they're possibly closed this morning. We've had that discussion. It should have been communicated better yesterday. That was a reason for staying closed. But look, it is what it is. But the good men and women of Cork City Fire Brigade have said there's no significant damage in the city due to Storm Barra. There was an incident on Wellington Road this morning when some flashing came off a building, but it's been made secure. There's also an incident on Kinsale Road Roundabout where a vehicle knocked out a traffic light, but that has been sorted. If anyone knows of any other damage anywhere in the county, 
County, then let us know. There was a video going around last evening, I got it into my WhatsApp, of a roof, a part of a roof that blew off, a kind of a canopy up the country. And this guy was walking, like a big, thick perspex roof, and he was walking on it to try to hold it down and bring it under control. And the wind caught it like a sail and whipped him away a few feet. I'd say it left him rightly battered and bruised. But thankfully, nobody was uh, seriously hurt in the course of uh, of Storm Barra yesterday. Although I have to say, my heart went out uh, last night when I heard this news. He was only a guest with me on the programme a couple of weeks ago talking about his book. And he mentioned his mom, who, of course, was from Mallow, uh, Peggy. Uh, beloved mum, age 91, of Marty Morrissey, and she died yesterday, early yesterday morning, in a car crash, a car accident. So our thoughts are with Marty, who'd be a good pal to many of us in broadcasting uh, in Cork. Regardless of for whom you work, Marty's one of the nice guys, and our thoughts would be with him this morning. 1850-715-996. Google has launched its list of or released its list of what was the most searched things in Ireland last year. I wonder, can you guess people who were searched? What was the most asked question? And I want the question, right? The most asked question on Google last year in Cork. One of the people searched was Kelly Harrington. You can certainly understand that. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo was another one. 1850-715-996. But let us go to a story about... This This came out a couple of weeks ago. There was a scare that they were going to put a tax on um, people loaning money to their to their children. Uh, the bank of mom and dad. There was fears after the budget that there might be some tax implications for people doing that. I think that was quietly erased for the want of political expediency but it does look as if and reading from the independent here the bank of mom and dad is playing a huge role in helping people to buy their first homes four out of ten first-time buyers are now being gifted some money to help them build up a deposit the total value this is according to the independent the total value of gifts from families to buyers to use towards deposits was almost 210 million and the deposits now are about 52,000 a lot of people need to get up to 52,000 it's an awful time for trying to buy your first house Joey Sheehan the mortgage coach joins me on the show again hi Joey hi PJ how are you good I would hate to be trying to raise the cost of my first house in 2021 going into 2022. It's so tough for people. Well, absolutely. It's a challenge for people. And in particular, when somebody's renting and they're paying, you know, a strong rent, which could be up to €2,000, depending on the size of the property you're renting. And you're also trying to save behind that on a monthly basis, you know, 500 1000 a month, whatever the amount. It is very challenging for people. Um, I suppose the only solution really you can see is that if more supply comes on stream um you know hopefully that'll you know level prices out and you know the, the lower the price the less of a deposit you'll need mm. there is a standard percentage of deposit required now isn't there and it's set down by the central bank yeah so for a first time buyer you need 10% of the purchase price um a second time buyers need 20% of the purchase price 
you, you, you're, you're reporting there that, um, you know, the Bank of Mom and Dad are assisting people. Now, in a lot of cases, uh, PJ, it, it's, it's small money. In some cases, it's bigger money. Mm. We've seen a case of somebody recently in Dublin where, you know, the, the parents were giving them 300,000 towards a purchase price of maybe 500 and they were borrowing 200 themselves. You know, the parents had built up a, a lump sum. They obviously wanted to give their inheritance to the child now yeah. that the child can receive up to 335,000 uh, tax-free from their parents in their lifetime. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, we'd often see people, you know, they would be getting a gift from the parents, but it might be more in the order of 5,000, 8,000, 10,000. Um, most people, in fairness to them, are doing their best in terms of saving. And while they might have built up a deposit, they might have been, you know, anticipating a slightly lower purchase price. Mm. Now prices have risen, so they might be caught short uh, a little bit on the deposit. So they are getting, you know, help from family, you know, parents, siblings, even friends. We've seen friends help each other out, you know, for a few thousand if they were slightly stuck. Mm. Am I right in saying that this whole deposit thing came in because of the the crazy notion of the 100% loan or the 92% loan or sometimes even the 110% loan that people got uh, before the big crash and to avoid that happening. And while itself, it might have been a good idea at the time, it seems to have gotten a bit out of hand. Yeah, well, back in the boom times, you know, 07, 08, you could borrow up to 100%, um, which was very risky. So if there was a downside, which there was um, in property prices, people fell into negative equity. Yeah. The idea of the deposit, and I'm not saying I agree or disagree with it, the idea of the deposit is that if prices fell by 10%, you still have equity in your property. You're still level par. For second-time buyers, which have been proven to be more a uh, possibility that they would default in a downturn, they want 20% for that reason. So basically, the, the borrower has, has input some funds in there. There's less risk to the bank. And I would say, while it's very difficult for people who are trying to buy and trying to raise a deposit, the one thing I would say is that as a whole, if there was a downturn in the economy, which I, I don't forecast, but if there was, I think the property market is well-placed because the lending for the last nearly a decade, I suppose, has been very prudent, both on a residential and a commercial and a development side. So there is little or no unsustainable debt out there, in my opinion. So even if the economy was challenged, um, I think the bulk of the borrowing, you know, the the, the, the the default rates would be minimal in comparison to the previous uh, downturn. Yeah, IBEC, I think, has a, a report out. I've only scanned it. I haven't had a proper look at it out this morning that predicts the economy will will be just grand. Thank you very much, which I suppose is good news for everybody. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I think the economy will be fine. I think people generally, they're, they're working away. A lot of people are back to work that were, were laid off at the start of the pandemic. Um, things seem to be, you know, kind of well, not quite business as usual, but in most sectors, pe- people are doing okay. Um, and I suppose, as you say, just one point actually on the deposit, um, there were 100% mortgages previously. Mm. Now for a first-time buyer, the max they can get is 90%. Yes. I, I certainly do not think we should bring back 100% mortgages. But you know what? We could look at, and it would be reasonable, maybe a 92% mortgage, maybe mm. a 93, 94, maybe up to 95%. Because if you're looking at a house um, in Cork, let's just say for 300,000 for a first-time buyer, um, 2% of that is 6,000 in savings. So if somebody's built up, you know, 24,000 um, versus 30,000 for the 10%, there's a big difference, and that could take them, you know, 12 months, maybe longer. Yeah. So e- even a couple of percent difference on the deposit could help people a lot. Mm. 
We know there's a lot of money. Uh, the pandemic's had one effect. There's a lot of money uh, lying around saved because of money people saved when they had nothing to spend it on when the whole country was shut down for months on end. Someone was estimating several billion saved. Could that drive property prices up even further, Joey, in 2022? Um, well, what I'd say is that if people, you know, some people have property, have money on deposit in the bank, and it's not only earning zero, it's actually eroding in some cases, depending on the amount you have. If you're over a million euro, you could actually be losing money. So we have seen instances where people like that have said, you know what, I'm losing money here. I'm going to buy property. Um, I, I'm going to buy an apartment, let's say, for 250 or 300,000 euro. I'll get a rental income of 15 grand a year from that. Um, and, you know, hopefully the price of the property sustains. Hopefully it grows. But either way, I'm getting some return on my money. So if if investors now we've probably seen the converse uh, the last number of years because of all the regulation about tenancies rights and all that we've seen more landlords leave the the market than than enter the market. Yes. So um w- w- which isn't good for the renter either because you you do need a certain level of of landlords in the um yeah. property owners let's say renting properties out in the, in the market um to, to provide the housing to people that want to rent privately. Yeah. And it's also, it's not every family has that kind of money that the bank of mum and dad can can lend to youngsters. And I was reading that in the paper during the week. There's a, a trickle. It's a small but a steady trickle of landlords out of the market. So I suppose as we come to the end of 2021, Joey, what would you think is going to happen to the market, mortgages and property in 2022? Well, I, I think we've seen, I think it's 12% year-on-year growth this year in property prices. I don't see that happening again next year. I would see, um, you know, modest growth, I think levelling or modest growth, I think, and I think that would be great news. It will be sustainable. Um, you know, just to give one example as well, um, PJ, I did a search on Daft before I came online and I looked up three-bed houses in Cork City and the cheapest house I could find for rent was 1234 a month. Right. Um, now, a similar house up in, in Frankfield uh, was for three-bed house was around 295 for sale. Now, if I took a 90% loan against that of 265,000 over 35 years at 2.2% interest, mm. the monthly repayment would be 907. So yes. the mortgage payment on basically a, a similar house is 907 versus 1234. That's the difference of 327 a month, which is nearly four grand a year in difference. Yeah. Plus, on top of that, you're paying into your own mortgage rather than somebody else's. Yeah. So in you know, 35 years' time, your payments are zero because you own the house, uh, whereas if you didn't own the house, you'd be still paying rent of 1234 yeah. um, So I think it, it's really in people's interest to to try and buy. And um, you know, if, if the LTV allowable, you know, 92%, that would help people a little bit. If there's more supply... Uh, that would help people a little bit. Um, I know, the, you know, the shared equity scheme, and I think that's still working through the process with the government. Yeah. You know, the help to buy scheme certainly helps people. That's an excellent um, um, offering from the government. And also the, the, the revenue rent-a-room scheme, where if I'm a first-time buyer, maybe I'm on my own, maybe I'm a young couple, if I buy a new house, I can get up to 14000 a year tax-free for renting out rooms, which really takes the sting out of the mortgage and, yeah. and uh, you know, would help me help me pay it but but as you say the deposit is a challenge getting the deposit to get in and i think mom and dad 
absolutely are trying to help their kids because they prefer them to see see them paying you know 907 to their own mortgage than 1234 rent to somebody else so most families uh will, will try and pull together a few bob and and, and get get the deposit for their yeah. their loved ones to get into the home you know Okay. All right. Listen, Joey, always good to speak with you on the opinion line. That's Joey Sheehan, uh, the mortgage coach. Apologies for the slight delay on that line, um, but uh, thanks for bearing with us, Joey. 185715996. Have you borrowed from mum and dad? Have you lent? Are you a mum and dad who has lent? Like, it's not that easy to put your hand on that kind of money. It really isn't. Right, Cork County Council say they have reports of trees down all around the county. About 100 sections of road are impacted by fallen trees. There's some damage to walls and to public lighting. The clean-up operations underway. Crews are very busy. Our own Elmarie was also pointing out, it's fascinating to watch the photos of the international trawlers and boats who've been seeking shelter in Bantry Bay from the storm. And everyone's underway this morning and setting off out to sea now that the storm has passed. A few comments coming in on the ASD unit for Balancholic. I'll get to them. Plus, we were talking yesterday about overactive bladder and we had a few responses to it. Interestingly, a number of responses on behalf of young men. One of them, kind of upsetting, which I'll read to you in a while. 1850 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie So we've talked an awful lot uh, during the pandemic about uh, the mental health of young people and what's good for their mental health, what's bad for their mental health. You kind of wonder, where is the research? What research is done to tell us about young people's mental health. Well, the ESRI has done quite a lot of research in that regard, and it tells us that there are high levels of life satisfaction. In general, young people in Ireland are very satisfied with their life and low levels of of socio-emotional difficulties. But that's a general picture. It, it breaks down into more detail. I said we'd look at it for a while with Dr. Anne Nolan, who's the Associate Research Professor in the Social Research Division of the ESRI. Professor Nolan, good morning. Good morning. In general, I think it's fair to say, Anne, that most of our young people uh, are, are they're, they're pretty much okay and they're, they're quite happy with their lives. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, it's important to start with uh, the positive news here. Um, as you said in your introduction, I think there can be a lot of focus, obviously, um, on on mental health and well-being in young people. But I think it's important to point out that the vast majority of our young people um, are doing well and they report uh, positive well-being. Um, now, saying that, you know, obviously then it's important to to uh, drill down a little bit more, I suppose, into those that are not doing so well and to try and identify the factors um, that are associated with those poorer outcomes and to see, you know, if there's something we can do about that. So is it to do with, you know, income uh, and sort of poverty and lack of resources? Is it to do with, you know, the relationships that those young people have? Is it something uh, in their school environment? So that's really what we set out to do uh, in this study, to look at, I suppose, all those different factors that go into the mix in determining uh, mental health. Could you define for me in, in layman's language, if you could, and the ter- what the term socio-emotional means? 
Yeah, so this is, um, it's it's really, it's a, it's a terrible technical term, but essentially what it means is um, uh, sort of feelings of low mood um, and or problems with, with friends. Um, so these are sort of um, uh, problems whereby, um, uh, you know, you, you feel quite emotional and sort of sad or downhearted. You might feel picked on or bullied um, at school. Um, and they're kind of in contrast to other sorts of poor um, uh, well-being outcomes where people might sort of act out. So these are things where it's much more internal to the individual in terms of how they feel. And mm. um, so uh, that's broadly what it means. And I think your research, which by the way was, was carried out before the pandemic, your, your research found that these problems begin to manifest themselves in the younger years between say three and nine yeah, so um, the advantage, I suppose, of the, the growing up in Ireland data, which um, I'm sure many of your listeners are, are familiar yeah. with, is that we follow people through time. And so we have two groups of young people that we're looking at in this study. So one were aged nine and the other were aged 17. But for both of those groups, we have data going back, you know, for the nine-year-olds right back until they were three and for the 17-year-olds back to when they were aged nine. So we can sort of track what happens to mental health um, as they as they age. Um, and you'll see between the ages of three and nine that broadly um, these sort of socio, what we call those socio-emotional difficulties, they start to increase. Um, and similarly for the, the nine to 17 year olds. Um, and really what's interesting about the teenage years, I think is, is how um, young men and women start to start to differ. Yeah. Um, so for for boys, essentially, you see that there's not much change between the ages of nine um, and 17. They stay broadly stable in terms of um, the proportion that have these difficulties. But for girls or young women, um, there's a much bigger increase um, by the age of 17. So by the age of 17, girls have much more difficulties than boys. Um, Do we know why that girls, is? I suppose, yeah, so I suppose there's there's been a number of reasons put forward for this. One is that, um, you know, boys and girls are, you know, express their difficulties uh, differently. Um, and perhaps girls are just more expressive in terms of emotions um, than boys are. And that's what gets picked up in the data. There's also um, an explanation that says that, you know, uh, uh, women and young women uh, face more pressure in terms of how they look and how they act Um and this, I suppose, can um, manifest then in these kinds of emotional difficulties and feeling sort of downhearted and under a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, and then there's also the issue around, you know, the age that they're at. They're at 17. Um, most of them were doing their leaving cert. Um, and we just know from lots of other research that girls face, um, they feel a lot more pressure um, around the leaving cert than, than boys do. Um, mm. So it could be a combination of those factors that's, that's going on. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm here. You found that a good relationship with parents is is very uh, important for positive mental health. But there is a thing, isn't there? And that pretty much every teenager at some point or other, someone said to me one time, if if your teenage daughter or son aren't telling you once a week that they hate you, you're not doing your job properly. It's a very difficult time to have a close relationship with your youngster. It is, it is. And I think, you know, what we're what we're showing here is that this is, um, uh, you know, having a sort of a positive and sort of open uh, relationship uh, with your child um, sort of in the earlier years can be protective even in uh, in teenage years when, as you say, you know, sometimes the relationship can get a bit rockier. Um, I suppose the other thing to mention as well is that, um, you know, I suppose this results not really surprising you know we'd all sort of expect that if you get on well with your parents you're you're more likely to have positive mental health but But it says in the years that they push the boundaries the hardest and they will between say 17 and and 19 they'll push the boundaries harder than they'll ever push before and that's damn hard to I I know I've been there that's very hard as a parent to, to live with but it's the message from your research to parents is stick with it grit your teeth and, and, and go through exactly, it. and I yeah, and I think you know the foundation that you've built up when your your teenager was younger will be important, and that sort of stands to both you know the parent and the child in their relationship in uh, in the teenage years. And I suppose you know it's important to say that I suppose other relationships become relatively more important in teenage yeah. uh, years. So it's not all about the parents oh, and the, the friends are their family. world. Their friends are their world when they're in uh, when they're teenagers, and you can see this coming through in in our research as well. That the sort of the number of friends, the the quality of their friendships becomes much more important yeah. and much more linked with their with their mental health, um, and also what happens at school. And um, so even in the nine year olds, you know their school environment, um, you know their interactions with their teachers is important, but it's really important uh, in the teenage years as well. So I suppose that just reflects, you know, teenagers. Um, you know, they're pushing the boundaries, but they're also starting out, um, you know, to make themselves more independent and start out on their own independent lives. And that starts in, in the teenage years. And you can see that happening, you know, in terms of the, the relationships that start to become relatively more important to them. Now, things like smoking, drinking, unhealthy eating often begin in those teenage years. How much of it is related to the relationships in our lives? 
Yeah, so um, that uh, the sort of unhealthy behaviours, um, we had looked at this in a in an earlier report, um, uh, and again, you know, the sort of the relationships do uh, do matter here um, as well. But I suppose what's um, you know what's interesting there is that it's um, you know similar factors to do with, for example, socioeconomic status also matter, um, uh, but also what. Um, you know, was I think surprising for us in some of that research is we thought that things to do with, for example, healthy eating policies in schools or, you know, the amounts of sports facilities in a school would be really important in kind of determining how much exercise uh, a young person was doing. But actually, it wasn't so much that it was more, you know, the kind of uh, the school climate that was important rather than sort of actual policies mm. um, or facilities. So I suppose, you know, seeing other people doing uh, healthy things was was important more so than, you know, the sort of um, mandated activities. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of food for thought in this. And as I say, this data was collected mostly uh, before the pandemic. But even now, I suppose your research is ongoing, uh, Dr. Nolan. And has the pandemic changed the, the, the game, as it were? for teenagers in particular? Are they struggling? Are they struggling more with the pandemic? Do we need to look at that? Yeah, I think I think it would be fair to say that that is um, true. So um, the growing up in Ireland data that we used, as you mentioned, obviously the, the report is based on data that was collected before the pandemic. Um, but the growing up in Ireland team um, have followed these young people um, into the pandemic. So last December, uh, they interviewed both these groups again. Um, and really what was quite, I suppose, striking and, and shocking to us was the, the decline in mental health and well-being, both for the younger cohort and for the teenagers. So the teenagers were 20 by the time they were surveyed uh, during the pandemic. And just to give you an example, I suppose, of the scale of the decline um, before the pandemic. So at the age of 17, um, about a quarter of these young people or teenagers reported poor mental health um, but by December of 2020, so just a year ago, so, you know, not even a year into the pandemic, um, that proportion uh, was nearly half. Um, mm. And it was much higher for, for girls than it was for boys. So, again, you see that gender divide coming through. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, those figures, they're shocking, but they're not surprising. You yeah. see this um, reflected in data from the CSO and in other countries that in terms of mental health and well-being, it's our younger people that have borne the brunt, um, unfortunately. And I suppose um, it is too early to tell. It probably is too early to tell whether that is a temporary dip or will do long-term damage. Yeah, so I suppose, you know, if you think about, I suppose, the continuum of, of, of difficulties that young people may face, I suppose, if you think back to December of 2020, this was when restrictions were starting to be imposed again. Um, so, uh, you know, as it is now, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's a very stressful time. Uh, and, you know, you would hope that the vast majority of young people, you know, when life starts to become more normal and, you know, they they go back to seeing their friends and being able to travel and do all the things that a 20 year old um, uh, normally does, that they'll, you know, revert back and it'll be temporary. But I suppose the big worry is that, you know, there's certain groups of young people here, um, given, you know, the the fact that they're, I suppose, exposed to poorer well-being at a really sort of crucial point in their life, you know, maybe when they're going to college or starting a first job, that it, that impacts on that sort of transition. Um, and we know from, for example, from previous recessions, you know, that if young people... 
um, lose their jobs or you're exposed to a lot of hardship early on in life, that can kind of leave a long term scarring effect. So I think it's, you know, it's going to be really important to sort of track these outcomes um, and to really sort of focus on those that might need um, additional supports um, as we come out of the pandemic. A lot of work there for yourself and your research teams in the years to come. Thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line. Dr. Anne Nolan, Associate Research Professor with the Economic and Social Research Institute. The kids are all right, but the pandemic has been hard on them. And I think there's the research to prove it. And hopefully they'll bounce back. But we won't know for a while yet. Interesting findings. 1857 15996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Ficino Ensemble was formed by artistic director Nathan Sherman in 2012 and the quartet features four outstanding musicians who are building an impressive reputation and an exciting repertoire. The show takes place at Tristle Christchurch on Saturday, December 11th. Access all areas. Tom Grennan has released his second album, Evering Road, and has followed up with a tour announcement that takes in a Live at the Marquee show in Cork on May 31st. Tickets are on sale now from usual outlets. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by mailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Network Cork has a new president and we wanted to catch up with her briefly on the opinion line. We've spoken before uh, Maria Desmond from Enable Ireland Good morning and congratulations Maria. Good morning PJ, thank you very much for having me on Um, an exciting time for Network Cork so um, looking forward to the year ahead. Yeah, yeah Tell me a bit about your own background I know you work with Enable Ireland but how did you come to be so involved with Network Cork? Well, um, I grew up in a family business in Bishopstown, um, so I'm living in Cork all of my life, and I set up my own business the day I left UCC, having completed a a BCom, and went from there, uh, worked with my business partner, Brian Moore, on a craft business with the help of the local enterprise board and was always interested in business. And um, along the way, completed a master's and ended up setting up my own market research business. So for nearly 25 years, I was self-employed and I ended up joining Network Cork really um, to give publicity to Enable Ireland and... um, Something happened to me, I guess, in 2015. I got a fright when a car drove down the wrong way, down the dual carriageway on the ring road. And it was a very hairy incident. And um, I knew life could end within seconds. It was that close. So that and another couple of things that year made me realize life was precious and that I needed to make the most of it and do something more challenging with my life. Um, I also wanted to give back 
and I saw a job advertised in the fundraising department with the Naval Ireland and I joined them at a very um, exciting and challenging time when we were trying to raise seven and a half million to build our new children's centre in Curraheen. Which is now there. And delighted to say that we only have, it's there, but we still have 300,000 left to raise and I know you were very kind and emceed our ball um, a couple of years ago. Well, any any time we can help with COVID that. Obviously, has been brutal to the yeah. events industry. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's been dreadful. Well, thank you, PJ. It's been dreadful. Marie, there's a slight delay on the line, so we'll work yeah. with it as best we can. Now, in the course of your presidency, I know you want you have a you have a fascination with bringing speakers, inspirational speakers, to talk to to the members. Anyone in particular that you'd like to get as a dream speaker? Ooh, that's putting me on the spot now. Well, um, who are your own I think hero, what we're going to do heroes. is... Um, well, they laughed at me once when I said I'd love to have Richard Branson over, but I think um, his was one of the first biographies I read. But, um, yeah, but... Well, well I'll give you a tip that, there. I'll give I'm you a tip there. on Cork people. I'll give you a tip there for free. Yeah. Uh, you know Dan and Linda Coyley? Uh, yeah, I do. Well, um, Dan, who yeah. was in school with me, I, I might get on to them. Plays tennis <laughs> or has played tennis with Richard Branson. Yep. <laughs> so there's your inside um, track. Well, I I chanced my arm uh, last month, and um, we contacted Deirdre O'Connor, who was um, one of the first female managing directors of Goldman Sachs in yes. New York. Yes. And she's a cove lady. So she came over and she um, gave a very inspirational speech up in Montanati. We're trying really hard to do hybrid events because we really want to get back to in-person events. But yeah. obviously, that's not totally possible. So we're limiting the numbers at events. And um, mm. I had the difficult decision to cancel our Christmas party because you know, it wasn't an essential business event. Yeah. So we're going to go for net walks over Christmas so that members can stay connected mm. and um, help grow their business through connections. You know, over the last few years, particularly on this so, programme, uh, as I watch yeah. business develop in Cork, Maria, the number of women now leading businesses in Cork and, and going to the very top of business, it's changed even in the last five to seven years. Yeah, it's 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 growing all of the time. We would say not fast enough, um, and some would say there isn't a need for a female women's business organisation. But we would say that it's uh, a gentle way of encouraging women to connect with each other and to learn um, more. We've a great member mentorship program. We're a forum where um, professional women can exchange ideas and business contacts, um, encouraging more satisfying careers. So all of the time, I mean, our first speaker is actually going to be Anne Doherty. Uh. There's a fine example of somebody in uh, a big job in Cork. So she's going to give the opening address of the first um, event of the new year, which will be on January 12th. We also um, have a special COVID discount up to the end of the year if people, if new people want to join, if you have an interest in business. Um, and where so can and would, where can they find that would help people as well information? Where can they go to join? 
website, I presume. Everything's on the Network Cork or Network Ireland um, website and then you click on Cork. Okay. and all of our contact details are there. Okay, well we wish you well uh, in your presidency, Maria and if there's ever anything we can do for Network Cork or indeed for Enable Ireland you know where we are. Thank you. We talked earlier in the hour to Dr Anne Nolan from the ESRI about child well-being and their research and what it's showing about young people and teenagers and tonight there is a webinar conducted by Dr Mary O'Kane who's been with us before on the show about what they call the growth mindset we thought the two conversations might tie in nicely this morning. Mary good morning Hi PJ lovely to talk to you again. And to you indeed what is a growth mindset? Oh PJ this is a really interesting one this was developed in the US by a lady called Carol Dweck and she was doing research with young children about their beliefs about their brains their beliefs about their intelligence and she was trying to figure out what motivates children to learn and what she discovered was when she was working with all these children and she's been doing this now for decades She was looking at children and what she found out was she could kind of divide them roughly into two groups. And one group had what she called a fixed mindset. And these children were likely to say things to her like, um, oh, I'm no good at maths or, oh, I'm really good at dancing. But, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm no good at that. And what she found was it was as if they had this very fixed belief that they were either good at something or they weren't. But what this meant was they avoided trying new things. If they thought they weren't good at something, they wouldn't try it. Then the other group, that now this is very roughly dividing them, okay? Mm-hmm. But the other group were what she called children who had a growth mindset. And these children were more likely to persist. They were more likely to try new things. And they were more likely to say things like... Um, oh, that didn't go right at all. Oh, I'm going to have to keep working on this. Or, oh, yeah, that's hard. Oh, it would probably take me ages to get good at that. But they felt they could improve. They felt they could grow. They could change. Mm. And she found that children sort of naturally fall into one group or or the other. Isn't it Um, funny? As adults, we tend to be like that too, that some adults embrace change quickly and others hate change. So... What you're saying, I think, Mary, is it's a skill we learn in childhood. Exactly. And PJ, you are so right. PJ, I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, the number of times my kids maybe ask me help with their their, uh, maths homework. Now they're in secondary school, but even when they were like in sixth class in primary school, sometimes they'd help with them. And I go, oh, no, oh, no, I'm no good at maths. Ask your daddy. And you think, hold on a minute. The messages we give them, and we do, we kind of internalize these things that we're either good at something or not. But what she found, and it's really true, is we, we, we sort of develop these mindsets in childhood. But what she found was that as parents, we can shift their mindset so we can kind of change their thinking. And I'll give you a little example. She did a research project with this these groups of children in a school. So she went into this school and she divided like a year group, if you like, into two halves. And one half got a workshop about growth mindset they got a workshop telling them your brain is in psychology we call it your brain is very plastic and it basically means your brain changes and adapts as you learn so that group got that lecture and they were told oh you know as you try something as you practice even if you fail it's fine you're learning and you're growing and the other group the second half of them got a, a workshop all about memory and how our memory works 
And what she found was she went back a few weeks later and she saw a difference in the two groups. The group who had been given the workshop all about how the more effort we put into something, the better we get, actually had still held on to that. Two years later, she went back into the school and the kids who had been given that lecture about growth mindset were outperforming the other half. But again, felt that they they can learn, they can grow, mistakes are not the end of the world, that sort of thing. I noticed that twice now you've said, if you fail, that's okay. Fear of failure, I think, is something that weighs many an adult down. That's learned as a child. PJ, absolutely. I was listening to earlier PJ talking about the growing up in Ireland study and the teenagers. PJ, you wouldn't believe the amount of research on teenagers who shows that that shows our teenagers very often at that age already have a fear of failure. Um, And I mean, people think mistakes are failing. No, they're not. Mistakes are how we learn. And it's so important that we let our children know mistakes are absolutely and utterly not the end of the world. If you make a mistake, it shows you've tried, you've learned, you've pushed yourself, you know, you've done something active. Mistakes are good. And that's a really, really important message for our children. we, we, We could all revise that particular learning every so often in our lives. Where can people join your webinar, Mary? If they want to have a look online on my social media, it's Dr. Mary O'Kane and there's still time in the next hour or two to book into it and it's on then this evening at 7.30. All right. Always great to speak with you on the Opinion Line. Dr. Mary O'Kane, parenting consultant and psychologist. You know what? There's so much sense in it. I don't know, as an adult, I do have this fear of failure. I've always had it. Um, I, I think I probably get it from a cautious nature at home. I like this growth mindset idea, though. We should probably all learn it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Well, we've had a statement from uh, Lakela in Ballancolic. That's the school where Charlie's mum was telling us earlier on that he doesn't have a place next year. He so much wants to go there. It's just the right school for him, but because of planning issues, they can't open their ASD unit. Uh, His mum's name is Katie. She was on with me earlier on this morning. There was a statement in from LaKayla. They said they're extremely disappointed that planning for our temporary accommodation, which included an ASD suite, was refused. We're working tirelessly with the Department of Education and on the ground to secure alternative accommodation that will include provision for an ASD class, which is a positive one. They're doing their level best to find space for the class. They're committed to the class, but they're looking to find space. Uh, I know it's a disgrace. There's no autism unit in Ballincollig. It's totally unacceptable. But there is a school with two classes, St Aidan's Dublin Hill. We have students that travel from other parts of the city due to no unit in their own areas. But it's a fantastic facility in the school and the students have come on so, so much. Being someone that works with autistic teens, uh, they're an absolute pleasure to teach and to be around. Could be a backup plan for this lady 
to consider. Thank you for that. I think Katie's point is, and she's right, she's 100% right. In a place like Ballincollig, the size of Ballincollig or the size of Carrigaline or the size of Bishopstown, there should be a local school, should have a unit. Every single local school in every single local area should have such a unit. In fact, the government has the power to order schools to open such units, has had that power for quite a number of years. It doesn't use that power, but it has the power. Uh, Mallow, okay, a couple of other things. This is apropos of nothing, this just comes in. Anyone notice how security around the Pope appears to be very lax? A while back, we had this woman embracing him in Rome, and you could see him getting agitated. So it wasn't that he gave the word to security to back off. Another similar incident seems to be happening, or seems to have happened in Lisbon, with a guy coming up and hugging uh, the the Pope. Uh, side note: He's he's also constantly criticizing the EU over things, but never seems to criticize the Argentine government. Of course, he's Argentinian himself, isn't he? That's just, that just came in apropos of absolutely nothing. Security around the Pope. Anyone think it's very lax? One last one before I go to uh, Patricia. Ticketmaster, hi PJ. Can you tell me, is Ticketmaster open or must all tickets be bought online? Excellent question. The answer to which I do not know. I know the Ticketmaster has a space in Merchant's Key. Whether they're open or not, I don't know. If anyone does know. If anyone's in Merchant's Key and have a look around the corner, maybe they can tell us. 1850-715-996. We start in the morning talking about the children being home from school for a second day, despite the fact it's a beautiful day outside. I guess we must accept that the schools had to assess the situation. They had to see what damage, if any, had been done. We have to take account of the fact that roads to the school and from the school might be blocked with trees and all of that. But they're at home and they're wrecking your melt. So what do you do with them? On day two, Patricia O'Flaherty reckons that we should get them baking again. Hi, Patricia. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. Baking sustained many sanities during the first lockdown and the second. So I think you're suggesting if they're home for today and, and, and wrecking your head, get them baking. Absolutely. Get them stuck in the kitchen. Get them rewarded with something delicious and hot and the house will smell all Christmassy and delicious. It'll be like the Bisto ad. They'll be following that waft of yumminess downstairs into the kitchen. What would you suggest? Well, you know, really with kids, simple is best. So, I mean, if you're going to do something, keep it really simple. One thing I find with particularly with young kids is that obviously have everything weighed up beforehand because they can find that very frustrating if they're waiting to bake and they're not looking at the weighing scales. They're not looking at the grams and ounces. They just want to get stuck in. Mm. So if they're tiny tots, even handing somebody a wooden spoon, a bowl and raisins, can you stir that for mum while you're weighing up something? They feel as if they're in involved already in the baking so coming up to christmas i think listen you can't go wrong with cupcakes cupcakes are fantastic because they're quick they're fast they're easy and i mean I, my kids when i do my classes it's sort of a two 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 four 
and they're they're lining up like so. Two, 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 four. Two hundred grams of butter, two hundred grams of caster sugar. You've got two hundred grams of self raising flour and four eggs. Boom! Into the oven. One eighty. Twenty minutes, and you've got this gorgeous waft in the kitchen. And that's where they can go nuts with the decorating. They can put on sprinkles. They could do rice crispy cakes in the kitchen. Once they're involved, mm. and you can reward them by saying, "Listen." Clean up your bedroom now in the next 20 minutes. Come downstairs and we'll do waffles. That's another great thing for breakfasts. Yeah. So that the kids can sort of start mixing things and get just get fun. Rice Krispie cakes are, are so easy. And cornflake cakes are so easy. Even I can do them, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, retro old school. I love Rice Krispie. Who doesn't love Rice Krispie cakes? And I think even just pimping it up with the most beautiful sort of real push-out Belgian chocolate and they just go to a different level. Um, but I mean, you could Patricia, just put little sprinkles and anything on them. Have you tried the ultimate? And you could do this with children once you watch the saucepan, I suppose. Have you tried the ultimate Rice Krispie cake? Ooh, melt, melt, melt down a box of after eight. Ooh! <laughs> yum! yes. Yes. If they survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you melt the after eight and you use that to stir yes. through the rice now it's krispies. A bit, it's, it's I a bit, like. It's a bit sticky because of the, marsh, mm. or the, the fondant. But by oh, yum. God, you'll never eat an ordinary rice krispie cake. You'll be making them for yourself now, let alone the children. Um, I am, a fierce posh. <laughs> I am very, very partial to... And my daughter got really good at this during lockdown. I am very, very partial to really thick, sticky, strong gingerbread. Can children make that easy? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so many varieties as well that are out there from the sticky gingerbread. The best way I find if it's a sticky gingerbread cake, you leave it nearly two days before you eat it because then you get all those delicious spices and they develop. But if you have a gingerbread man, that's even fabulous because if you have a cookie recipe that you just use and you can get the kids to cut out Christmas trees, you can like uh, stars, mm. gingerbread men, you can create a family. I mean, there are fabulous recipes out there. Needless to mention, I'm shameless plug. If you do have a quick look on my Facebook page, there are loads of recipes that are there linked with Christmas. And all you need to do is do a little bit of soul searching and find your gingerbread men and gingerbread mm. cake and fruit cake. But kids love cutting out. They love with their tiny little fingers. It's perfect because it's just the tacky dough is just tacky. So it doesn't frustrate kids rolling it out. Parents don't pull their hair out of them, uh, their roots because mm. the kids are entertained and you could leave them for half an hour rolling out, oh, cutting out, oh, using their scones, Patricia. cutters. Fabulous. <laughs> Parents all over Cork are going, leave them with sticky things and come back and it takes me till Christmas Eve to clean the kitchen. <laughs> Ah, listen, you, if you're in my house, you have to clean as you go. Big bubble warm water in the sink. And as soon as they're finished, in go the hands and they're constantly washing. Listen, if anything, kids will learn awful, as they say, awful rapid to keep their hands and their counters clean because it's less stress. And if mum and dad or whoever's minding them are less stressed, the more they'll get into the kitchen because they'll realise, oh, this is a lovely environment. Nobody's pulling their hair out. Isn't this lovely? But you have to clean as you go. Yeah. All right, clean as you go. A touch of magic is is your site. Is, is it a Facebook page, website? What what places can we look? It's it's. Um, I'm, I'm literally on everything now. I have a lovely new website, and we're still developing it. That's a touch of magic.ie, and then I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and it's all a touch of magic. So all you need to do is Google a touch of magic, and I should pop up.
Yeah. I'd say um, a lot of parents are sick of me. I have a feeling you're <laughs> off out to buy a box of After Eight. <laughs> I am. <laughs> one for me and one for baking. <laughs> Patricia, have a lovely Christmas if we don't talk before. Thanks for being with us again on the Opinion Line. Patricia O'Flaherty, of a touch of magic. Get the children baking. Look up her Insta. Look up all her various pages and there's recipes for them. Uh, just maybe, you know, get them to clean as they go because otherwise you'd be mopping up sugar until... Christmas Eve. 1850-715-996. Reminder to you that we are online, counting down to Christmas with Cork's 96 Miss all your favourite Christmas hits, streaming non-stop with Bridgestone and Desi's Tires, Blackpool, Little Island, Carrigaline and Vickers Road. Great deals for almost 40 years. Desi's Tires now open seven days, as always, and open late too. Listen now on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. I'll be back there myself for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 2 till 6. If there's anything you want me to mention, any kind of a charity event or a thing that's going on across the weekend. Pop us an email pj at 96fm.ie and I'll certainly give it a mention uh, on Cork's 96 months across the weekend to come. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie we're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, friendly faces, always ready to help this Christmas. Fully focus, what you mean? Got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch. Exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre match analysis, live commentary, and in depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With Now. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a Now Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Courts 96 FM. So we spent a lot of our second hour today talking about the well being of children and spoke to Dr. Ann Nolan uh, from the ESRI and indeed to uh, Dr. Mary O'Kane about growth mindset and the general viewpoint of both of those contributors was that, look, the kids are okay for the most part. The pandemic's been hard on them, but the ESRI in particular, their research over a period of years says, look, kids are generally okay. We just keep need to keep an eye on a few things. I had this WhatsApp message. I wouldn't agree that young people are doing well. There's a lot of teens going through social anxiety under severe stress and pressure from exams. I wouldn't agree that girls have more difficulties than boys. Boys, boys suffer in silence. Boys take a drop in hormones from age 14 to 18. I work with children and I'm very aware and have experience of teens, both boys and girls. There are too many expectations this day and age. They have too much to live up to. And comparing themselves, way too much pressure like exams. 
What I do think needs to be highlighted is that, sure, exams are coming up, but parents need to relax. Tell their Leaving Cert children that if they don't get the points, the course can be got by doing it another way, like going through CSN. And if a child finds maths or any subject way too hard, we'll just drop down to pass unless they really need it for their course. And if they do need the subject, help them out and get a grind. On the bank of mom and dad talking to Joey Sheehan about how just how much moms and dads are lending their youngsters to help them to build up the deposit for a house. Anne says, hi PJ, it's nobody's business. And young couples' finances are being delved into far too much, including their professions and salaries, just to set a benchmark for house prices. The mortgage rates are too high. A mortgage of over 300000 is far too high when children come along. Shared equity is crazy as there are hidden interest rate costs down the road. And D says mortgage is a huge pressure for young people, young couples, especially if the income changes, and there's price limitations and tax implications and finding the correct payment plan and trying to live as well and having a good solicitor and a good home insurance plan, not to imagine the unexpected illness. We, the Irish, we put so much pressure on our shoulders to purchase homes and might never get to enjoy actually living in them because our stress levels are, are so high and we're juggling work, crazy prices, childcare, bills and health. I wonder how you even breathe after all that, D. but uh, point well made. Point very well made. Thank you very much. Now, we did get this yesterday following our discussion about overactive bladder. And we were talking about the research into it and the fact that, look, it's far more common than you might think. It's very common in in young women, but it's also, and many of our um, contributions or people who came to us, correspondents after the programme, were representing men, young men. And we got this, which is signed. We have the name, but obviously we're not going to give it to you. I am a 25-year-old male and I have overactive bladder. I've always suffered it, ever since I was a kid. I went to see a specialist recently. I was offered a catheter or adult nappies as medication was making no difference. I had no other option than to accept the lesser of these two evils and accept the nappies. It's degrading and embarrassing. Very difficult to live as a young person when you're constantly worrying about having to change yourself and go through the stress of people accusing you of using disabled toilets out of laziness rather than my hidden disability. Sorted out. HSE. God, my heart goes out to that young fella. 25 years of age and can't control his bladder and wearing an adult nap. Can you... I just can't imagine how hard that must be. 1850-715-996. Right, uh, Alan O'Reilly at Carlo Weather has been looking ahead. And as I've constantly said on this programme, Alan is a few days ahead of the game, an awful lot of the time. And now he's saying that with regard to Storm Barra, pressure is starting to rise as Barra moves away. There are still a few unsettled days ahead. But the weather is looking very like it'll improve next week. That list of Google topics, uh, I never got back to it. I, I meant to. The most Googled name in the past 12 months was Cristiano Ronaldo. 
after he frightened the life out of everyone, even people who weren't remotely interested in the actual game. Frightened the life out of everyone when he collapsed during the Euros. Remember that? Uh, yeah, he, or Christian Eriksen, rather, God, whom I think in Christian Eriksen was the guy. I had Ronaldo written down. Yeah, he was another big search name, but Christian Eriksen, yeah, he collapsed during that game at the Euros. He was the most searched person of uh, 2021. Kelly Harrington was also one of the most Googled. She was the fifth most Googled person this year. She's just wonderful. I think she's great. And another person who i become a big fan of, watched her in Wimbledon, watched her having a hard time at Wimbledon uh, in the semi-final and then watched John McEnroe being totally over the top. Emma Raducanu then went on to win the US Open. That girl's got a huge future and she's just lovely. She's, a, she's an absolute dote and she's a brilliant tennis player. She was in the top ten. Uh, of the most Googled names. In terms of the stuff we searched, Bridgerton was a big search. Serious too, I think. Has it dropped or is it about to drop? Squid Game. Ah, for goodness sake. Squid Game was great. Myself and the the umphala watched Squid Game. He's watched it two or three times at this stage. Uh, Euro 2020 was massive. The biggest... COVID-19 was really only the third biggest search thing of the year. It was television was searched more uh, than than that. Um, it wasn't actually COVID. Uh, the Eurovision was searched more than usual. Love Island, for whatever strange reason. A lot of stuff there to do with uh, COP26 was searched. But the most Googled question, there were two of them. There were two of them. How to book a COVID-19 test and how to do an antigen test. Google do this every December. They, they reach, uh, they put out charts of what was the most searched thing, which kind of reminds you, if you needed reminding, they're watching you. They're watching you. Maybe our angels are watching us. Um, Michelle Keane, who's written a book, another book on angels, believes we all have angels. Even if you're a total sceptic, even if you're an atheist, basically, you have an, an angel or angels. Her new book is called Kingdom of Angels. Hi, Michelle. Hi, PJ. Thank Good. you so much for having me on the opinion line this morning. Good to speak with you. What's an angel? This sounds like an awful stupid opening question, but what is an angel? I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not like the, the, the young thing, the thing on top of the Christmas tree that sits on your shoulder. What is an angel? Well, I suppose, PJ, you rightly said there, like whether you're atheist, whether whatever, it doesn't matter what religion or spirituality you, you practice. We all have angels. Angels are with us every day, right? If you're, if you're struggling, like we've archangels, who protect us and mind us if we pray to them. We have all have a guardian angel. So just say, for example, PJ, something's bothering you and you need help with something. Just say, oh, geez, I need help. God sends us angels straight away to help us. Like angels are all around us, right? They're celestial beings. They've lived here before. They're in, they're in heaven and they're helping God and helping us to connect with our own with our own problems, like, you know, anytime I'm in trouble, um, PJ, I just say, oh, my God, please, please send me an angel to help me. And God always sends me an army of angels. And I suppose I'm very fortunate that I can see angels and that I suppose with 
with my new book, um, The Kingdom of Angels, I suppose I really set out to help people how to connect with their own angels. Like angels are all around us, but it's your free will to connect with them and ask them for help. And if you do, you know, if you start connecting with them, you'd be surprised what can the miracles that can happen in your life. But who who are they? Are they the loved ones that we've lost? Or are they yes, just... Is that what they are? They are angels. Well, angel, angels are... They've lived here on Earth, right? And they've reincarnated their souls. So these angels can come in any shape or form at you, right? The thing with angels is that our ancestors like are there to help us. They're angels sent to us. So like if you pray to our ancestors, ask them for help, they will help us on our journey. Like so angels angels can be anyone, a friend of yours that has passed on that you had a close relationship with here in this life, they're coming to help you and they want to help you. And they send messages to you. Like some people receive white feathers, you know, on their pets some mornings they'd walk out and to their car and next thing they'd see a white feather. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, more people see signs from robins, butterflies, the crows, you know, different different signs they, they show us through even angel orbs in the sky. Like sometimes I would see like a lot of angels in the format of clouds in the sky and even rainbows come and help us when we're in trouble. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my my wife is a believer in, in signs um, and, mm-hmm. and she has a thing with robins. Um, there's a no. yes. We we moved into well, our, Robin's... our house shortly after my father-in-law died, and that's mm-hmm. 2004 now. But she believes firmly that every so often her dad comes in the form mm-hmm. of a robin, and it's always she tells me it, it's always at a time when she's trying to make a decision in her life or when she's missing something. And they all and this little yeah. that's probably uh, to me it's a total coincidence. But this little robin always goes into the same little tree. Well, I see. I don't see that myself as a, a total coincidence. Do you I not? totally agree with your with your wife. No, I definitely like my you know my my own ancestors would come to me in robin formats. They've come to me in crow formats. Different. Like if if she feeds this robin like and takes care of this robin this robin is there sent to her as a message to remind her mm. that her father is looking after her and to, he wants to help her he wants to connect with her but you see some people just don't see those signs your wife is very fortunate that she feels it in her gut and you know that she, that she feels his presence and like as you rightly said he he's helping her there which you know which if if there's a problem in her life Yes. So, you so know, he's sending where, her a sign. Where, where the skeptic in me goes, Michelle, when mm-hmm. she. And mm-hmm. I look out, and sure enough, there's a little robin in the garden. Uh, but <laughs> I say, like, okay, like, she said, that's my dad's robin. But robins, you, dad passed away in 2004. Robins only live a few months. It's not the same robin. Couldn't be the same robin. Mm. Or am I just. Well, am I bursting a bubble I shouldn't burst? Well, I suppose, look. I have I have scientifically proven what messages the angels have sent to me on my journey with um, Kingdom Water. Um, I wrote my first book there um, a year and a half ago called The Discovery of Kingdom Water. And I yeah. was guided by my own angels and ancestors where they told me that I was sitting on seven valuable 
springs of water on my land with valuable healing minerals in this water and that this water would heal people around the world. So I channeled my angels and I did exactly what they requested me to do. And I pulled this water out of the ground uh, seven times. And I scientifically have it proven that there's over 66 minerals with healing minerals in this water. So I've tried to run this with people from Donegal, from Cork, from Waterford, from Wexford, from Belfast, Tipperary, Limerick, Galway, Mayo, you name it, people are coming and taking away this water, right, and trial running it for their own health benefits. And what I'm finding there, you were on about kids' well-being and everything there while yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, we have we have huge success rates with the people that are trialing this water with autistic kids. So what we're finding is... I'd be, I'd be worried there about getting into science now, you know... Well, I've it, I've it scientifically proven with two labs. How, how so did you I've, prove it? I've, how did I've, you prove I've, it? Oh, we tested this water. And, and what's in it? What's like, in it? Um, what's in it? Well, okay, there's lithium, which is like golden water at the moment. Lithium is so good for anyone suffering from anxiety. Like there's hospitals in this country doing lithium programs to treat people with chronic depression and anxiety. And what what I'm finding now is the people that are trial running this for anxiety are finding miraculous results okay. with this water. Their anxiety is, is completely disappearing. They're coming off their diazepam and their their, their medications well, with, resu- with results of drinking this water. Like, right, like well, well I, have to, this, yeah. I, have to, I have to tell you, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to be able to say, I, and it is a product, and look, it's a product, and if people believe in it, well and good, mm-hmm. but I, I, I have to say, just for... I suppose Well, it's scientifically proven, you sure, see. Sure, you see, it's, sure. it's, it's scientifically proven. Sure. So I'm not out to convince you ah, yeah, or anyone. I, I have, do you know what I mean? It's, it's the science is there to back it up, sure. okay. I suppose. Okay. And, and, and you can talk about angels or everything, but at the end of the day, I actually physically have the science sure. certification okay. Okay. for this water that okay. all these minerals exist in it. Come back to me on white feathers, because a lot of people mm-hmm. have huge belief in white feathers. Now, mind the robin, because the robin is one thing, but mm-hmm. white White feathers turning up in places that there couldn't be a white feather anywhere yes. near it. Like someone finding a white feather on the bathroom floor. Yes, that's not, not so common in my world. No. I see white feathers the whole time. And they're like our angels plant them for us to see these as a sign. And, you know, if you pause and look at what's happening in your life, when you see that white feather, you actually immediately connect with your ancestor, your angel, that's trying to help you. And every like these signs are put right in front of you. Like, you know, as you rightly said, they're planted some places where there could never even be, like people wouldn't have feather cushions in their sitting room. And next thing they go in and there's maybe three or four feathers on the ground or, you know, and there's no way anyone could have planted them there. But sure. these are the power of our ancestors and the power of the angels. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's like, it's your free will, whether yeah. you believe it or not. Ah, yeah. But I like, you know, I, I, I've just received so much blessings in my life right. from connecting with my own angels. And like, you know, as I said, which give, them gifting me this kingdom water and helping sure. people. Uh, it, should, there's no other greater gift you can do is to help somebody. 
and True. and particularly with, with with this water and the benefits. If anyone can reap the benefits, sure, why why shouldn't they? So we're we're commercialising sure. it at the moment. Sure, DJ. sure. And, and, and um, we're. I, I'm just, I mean, again, on on that subject, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just I'm required to say that look. All, anyone considering changing their medicine should discuss it with their doctor first. If you're on medicine, oh, I make, I make, I making, I making no claims. I've just good. Made, purely, purely good, stated good. the facts, PJ. Okay. That okay, sure. that we're, you know, I like that these minerals are in the water. We've sure. been scientifically proven, sure. and people are trial running this for three years, sure. and they're reaping the benefits. Okay. Come, know, to, so, come, 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 like, come to me on on what the angels tell you and what the angels should be telling us all. And look, again, I'm, I'm, I'm coming at it from the point of view, um, Michelle, mm-hmm. of more, more of a sceptic than a cynic. I, I, I like scepticism, but, but, but that's, I don't mm-hmm. like cynicism in people. But I, I'm a little bit sceptical, as I said, and it's quite a good-natured banter I have with my missus on, on, on yes. the Robin. But again, <laughs> I have myself come across the white feather that couldn't possibly have come from anywhere. And I've just said, oh, that's a right. freaking nature. And, and, and you, you still aren't converted. You still. Well, I'm wondering, like, it's got to come from somewhere. I'm just. <laughs> now, yeah. I suppose. Well, he- you see, no matter, no, matter what your, no matter what your spiritual beliefs are, whether you're atheist, Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, whatever, like, there's one God. So we all believe in, in one God. Sure, yes. Right? No matter what we and, call him like, today or her no today. Matter, yeah. No matter what you call him, exactly. And the thing is, like when you ask God, when you say, God, I'm in such, you know, trauma here, something really crazy has happened to me and I, you know, I need help. He will send an army of angels to you to help you. But you, you know, you're seeing the signs, but you're not, you're, you're choosing yourself, PJ, not to connect with the angels. Uh, so well, if, you well, sat no, mo- yeah. if you sat for a moment down yeah. and said, right, <laughs> You're even a sceptic and you're already saying to me, you're actually telling me that, you know, you're even questioning yourself now. Like they couldn't appear. Somebody is putting him there and somebody is putting him in my path. Right. So you're kind of contradicting yourself. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm actually having a bit of a fun, a bit of fun with you, because as I said, the white feather is the, the last time it's wild since I saw, but it, it's, it's generally, I'm looking around. There couldn't possibly be anything in this room or through this room with a white feather. Right. And so, you so, see, you, some, people, some people are sitting in their kitchens, right? Yeah. And they're, they're on their own, minding their own business, having a cup of tea. It's happened myself many times. And the recess lights start flicking around and off for no reason. So they're, you know... I'd put that down to a dodgy signs, switch. But, well... You could get. A, I, 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 I put it down myself at the start until I got electrician, and he said, "Michelle, your lights are perfect. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your lights." And then they've shown me messages to to recess light through orbs and stuff. So, like, they, you know, angels travel in energy. Talk to me about what you mentioned orbs once or twice. Like, is what? What's an orb? An orb is like, right? Just visualize if you were looking at a light, and next thing, this orb comes down like a ray of light comes down. It could come in the form of a circle. It could come like a vertical sign and then it starts moving. And then they start showing me like they could show me someone's face. Like they could show me a rock. They've shown me many, many signs. And it's up to me how I interpret them. But, you know, I'm listening to them. I'm totally in tune with my angels and like then I realised in, in, in a few months down the road, I meet that person, right? right? 
And like the, these are no coincidences. Two, two last, but, uh, two last actually, brief ones for yeah. you. Um, people mm-hmm. who, uh, they say that they see someone or they wake up thinking, and this is a favourite one, they wake up thinking about someone or during the night mm-hmm. they're struck by a thought of someone that they haven't heard or seen from in a long time. And the next thing they find out that that person has either passed away or is sick or something. Mm-hmm. Is, is that an angel thing? It is, yes. And it's it's showing that person that they have huge intuitive power. Right. Like how many times have you heard somebody like, uh, you know, their mother might have passed away and the night of her funeral, she's appeared sitting on their bed. And I've heard this story many times for different people about certain members of their family. And then they've appeared and told them that they're okay, that they're happy. Yeah. And they just disappear. Like yeah. I do, like there's there's an underworld of spirituality. Oh, I know. There, if I open the phones people, to people and ask them to tell me those you know, stories, they will. They have they have them all. They, 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 they are there. Right? One one, one and, last uh, one for you, Michelle. And yeah. I don't I don't mean to be to, to be in any way cheeky about this, but uh, no. take this in the spirit which is intended. What are the angels telling you about the pandemic? Well. They've told me this, like, God isn't happy with us. We're destroying our planet with everything. And this is a big message. It's the, I, it's a spiritual awakening for people. Like, 85% of the people are not spiritually awake. Like, look at, look at, look at people. They're going around, you know, a few people watching. You see what people are doing. They're running around like headless chickens. They have no faith. They have no belief. People, you know, they're, they're looking for something. They're searching and what I've noticed myself in the last three years, the amount of people since I started, since I published um, the Discovery Kingdom Water book and the Kingdom of Angels book, the amount of people that I, that have connected with me that said after reading Kingdom of Angels, Jesus, Michelle, this, this is so educational. Mm. There is something there. We're, you know, we're not sure what it is, but they're feeling it. Right. And, and will, um, will we be rid of it know, soon? Are they telling you that? I don't think we're going to be rid of it that soon, PJ. They're like, this COVID, we'll, you know, mm. we're go- it's going to be around for a while. Well, that's kind of what a lot of scientists are saying as well. Michelle, thanks very much. Michelle Keane, author of Kingdom of, of Angels and the Kingdom of uh, Kingdom Water. And uh, to remind you again, look, the BA, we are required by broadcasting standards to advise anyone considering using anything like a product like that do not make any decisions about your medication unless discussing it with your doctor. Uh, I buried little girl at six months old. Every time I see a white feather, I know it's her. It's something that provides me comfort. You should get down off your high horse. We don't know everything. You're right. Oh, my goodness me. Don't don't get me wrong. I I know that people get great comfort from these things. I suppose I try to explain them. And when I can't, I go, okay, well, maybe there's something else there then. It's quite typical for religious followers to force their beliefs in others, especially when one connects. Even or she says, even atheists have angels. It just shows their lack of understanding of what atheism means. We could spend a whole day talking about that one too. But uh, Michelle, thanks. If you've seen the robin, see, I've seen the white feather myself, but I can't explain. Do you know? Maybe it's my dad. Maybe I don't know. I just genuinely don't know. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Right, last chance with this. 
Name that song, give me your name, 083-396-9696 and hang on by your phone. There's a Christmas show running at Cypress Avenue, even despite restrictions. The Mocky Ash Show. Candy Warhol. Hi, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. Are you doing the Rocky Horror? Because that was it looks like on your Instagram. We did the Rocky Horror for Halloween. That's sold out. And tomorrow night is our Christmas show. And what's so the Christmas show? we'll have to wait next October now. Uh, so we're, for every year at Christmas, we usually take like Ireland's biggest pop culture moments and put a drag spin on them. Not a lot has happened in the last year on the news, but we're taking like some of our favourite bits, like Nadine Coyle, Theresa Mannion's re- weather report, Twink and Linda Martin from Eurovisions, like all the really, really important stuff that have happened in Ireland. <laughs> and then we put a drag spin on them. Oh, so God, it's going to be really, really funny. I, I really am. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, are, are you seriously t- looking at doing something like... Theresa Mannion, <laughs> the remix. DJ, we literally do that. <laughs> we have a brilliant drag queen called Maud Gone Wrong, and she's obsessed with Theresa. So name. she's Theresa. Oh, it's such a good name. It's my favorite name of the show. So uh, Maud Gone Wrong does Theresa Mannion every Christmas, and then all the queens are running around with their umbrellas, being blown about the place. It's gas. It's just so silly. It's so funny. But it's just what we need, I think, at and the moment. Twink, I mean, Twink and, and, and Linda Martin, like, come on. I mean, I mean, I mean they were, they were made for it. They were made for it. Oh, they were made for it. I mean, they kind of are drag queens, you know, when you think <sighs> about it. <laughs> well, I think I they'd enjoy re- that. <laughs> I have I have referred to them as, or heard them referred to as one being the other's mammy, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there, no, we'll save it for the show tomorrow. <laughs> so it's in, and how are you fixed for um, capacity with restrictions and stuff? We're actually okay because Cypress Avenue it fits about 600. We're going to do around two just to keep it safe, like all spread out. It's all seated. It's totally fine. And there's about 20, 30 tickets left. Yeah, so it should be fine. It's just like, it's just so up and down with the, restric- with the restrictions. So you're kind of like aiming for one number one week and then you're told another number one week. Sure. So, but at this point, we're just used to rolling with it. But right. I think there'll be a really good crowd tomorrow night and then, which is obviously over 18s. And we're actually doing a, a really big family friendly version of it in Fitzgerald's Park on December. 22nd so okay. um, obviously families can't go tomorrow night but they can go then All Yeah, right. enjoy have a great time and uh, it sounds like a great show Candy Warhol the Mucky uh, Christmas show alright here we go John Long what's the song How's it going, Peter? Don't go breaking my heart. Don't go breaking my heart. You're off to see Elton at Parky Cueve in July. Thanks to Aiken Promotions. With whoever you choose to take with you, that's John Young in y'all. Thank you very much. Wow, it's been a slammer. We are absolutely rammed. Programme edited by Fiona Corkin, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money. 